Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. Deep in the heart of Ohio sits a town with a history dark enough to bear its nickname of Helltown. From the massacre of Native Americans to the government forcing people to leave their homes in the 1970s. When you mix in the stories of spirits, cults, and giant snakes, you have the perfect ingredients for legends. Join us for episode number 43 of Hometown Ghost Stories, where we take a look into the area known as Helltown, Ohio. The sounds of her own feet scraping along the dirt path that led into Helltown were all that Lisa could hear. In truth, she barely heard that. She was walking in a trance-like state, thinking not just about the photos she was going to take, but all the legends surrounding Helltown itself. Would she come face to face with a mutated python? Or would she be snatched by the mysterious cult that supposedly inhabits the area? She let out a laugh as these thoughts went through her head. But she realized... There was some nervousness in it. She stopped and leaned against a tree to check out her camera bag and take some photos of the forest surrounding her. As she set the bag back down while holding her camera, she looked at the endless forest ahead. She snapped a few photos and said out loud to no one in particular, This entire place looks like it's decaying. After getting the shot she wanted, she placed the camera back in her bag and started back on her journey. This wasn't the first haunted place she was taking photos of, but the closer she got to the quote-unquote, murder bus, the more uneasy she felt than anywhere else she had been. After another 20 minutes of walking, she had finally come upon the abandoned school bus she was here for. Next to the bus sat a sign welcoming her to Helltown. This felt more like a mocking than a welcoming. On the other side of the bus sat a building that was rotting away, a relic of a town that used to be. She set up her tripod and placed the camera on top, carefully screwing it into the base. The gloomy clouds created a great backdrop for Lisa, as excitement washed away some of her fear. One of these might even be good enough for the cover of the book, she once again said out loud to no one, a habit of hers when she was a bit nervous. As she continued to take the photos, she saw a little bit of smoke start to leak out a window of the back of the bus. Hello? Is anyone there? She managed to stammer out. No response, but the smoke got heavier. Caught between wanting to grab her stuff and run and checking out what was happening on the bus, she decided to head towards the vehicle. She yanked open the closed doors of the old rusted yellow bus and yelled hello as she walked up the steps. She looked towards the back of the bus and the smoke continued to seep out the window, but no one was there. She slowly started to walk towards the back of the bus. As she made it to the third row of seats, she noticed that the smoke was starting to thin out. By the time she made it to the back, it had fully disappeared. Lisa thought maybe she was going crazy, but she could still smell cigarettes. She looked around for evidence of one. Maybe a group of kids were hiding while smoking and dropped one on the bus, she thought, but found nothing. 
At this point, she decided it was time to leave. She walked back towards the front of the bus and headed towards the door. As she took a step onto the stairs, the door snapped shut. The smell of cigarettes filled the air around her. As she spun around, a bloody bus driver sat in the driver's seat and looked down at her and said, You're here with us now. Forever. Panicking, her eyes dashed towards the rear exit, where she saw the seats filled with bloody faces smiling back at her. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Helltown, Ohio. Helltown, Ohio started as a Native American village located around the Cuyahoga Valley. The Mingo tribe originally settled it, but would abandon it in the 1750s. The Lenape tribe would then settle the area after being forced off their land due to the Treaty of Easton that was signed in 1758. They originally called it Cleartown, but after a possible misunderstanding with German dialect, the Lenape thought the German word for Clare meant hell, and quickly started calling the place Helltown, and it would earn its reputation. The tribe would battle with British soldiers repeatedly in the area during the American Revolution. These battles would continue with the American soldiers as well. There was a war trail right on the outskirts of the town that multiple tribes would use to ambush unsuspecting soldiers. This would all culminate in the Naughton Hutton Massacre in 1782. On March 8th, American militia would gather up a group of Moravian Christian Indians, which were primarily composed of Native Americans from the Lenape and Mohegan tribes. This group was pacifists, who did not take sides or fight in the American Revolution. After gathering them, the Christian tribe was accused of being spies for the English, a charge they strongly refuted. That evening, under the leadership of David Williamson, a vote was taken on whether or not to kill the entire tribe. Eighteen men stood in defiance of killing them, but they were outvoted. The tribe would brutally be murdered shortly after. Instead of fighting back, they begged and pleaded for their lives to no avail. The women were dragged to the forest for the soldiers to have their way with before murdering them. In the end, 96 members of the tribe, consisting of men, women, and children, lay dead. Ninety years later, a shrine was erected to the falling tribe, which would include some of the bones of the victims buried there. Over a century after the incident, Teddy Roosevelt would say of the massacre that it was, quote, a stain on frontier character that the lapse of time cannot wash away, end quote. And on top of all of this, the farmers that moved to the area would plow over the old Native American burial grounds and use the land. The bloodshed would stop in the area, but the sightings of spirits would begin. Since colonial times, those that have walked the paths of the old villages and forest have reported multiple different types of paranormal activity. Many have said that they feel the presence of someone watching them and sometimes brushing against them. Others have seen shadows in the form of people moving throughout the pathways, but never come across anyone. The most chilling reports might be those of screams and apparent cries for help ringing out in the distance, leaving many to believe these are the sounds of those that perished in the many battles and massacres that happened long ago. Other than the hauntings, the area would become peaceful for a period of time. That is, until the mid-1970s. Gerald Ford signed an act to expand upon the national parks of the country, 
as it was believed that the states were losing some of their natural beauty. The unfortunate byproduct of this act was that small communities near large beautiful areas would become victim of imminent domain and people would be forced to sell their homes to the government for a modest price. Many of the people gave in and sold. Others tried to fight to keep their homes. When this happened, the United States would send in law enforcement to move these people off the land. At this time, one of the most infamous scenes of the area was a house with, quote, now we know how the Indians felt, end quote, spray painted on their house. The man responsible for this aggressive acquisition of the land was William Birdsell. He was tasked to create the park and stopped at no cost and would be considered an enemy to the people of the area. After forcing the people to sell their homes for next to nothing then demolishing their houses or setting them ablaze, the courts would get involved. It was determined that a majority of the houses were purchased illegally by the government. Most of the old owners were offered to buy back their homes, except nothing remained. William Birdsell, disgraced, would be transferred out of the area, but he would never get a chance to leave. As he was packing his office to move on to the next job, he had a heart attack and died. Now he is buried forever in the land that many believe he did more harm to than good. And this is where the urban legends of the area really begin to take off. Another portion of the land that the government took over was the Krejci Dump. Once they began to clean it up in 1985, many of the people working there began to get sick and have rashes covering their bodies. It is believed that the dump was actually dumping illegal materials and was the possible reason for mutations of local animals. The Peninsula Python is believed to be among these animals. Dating back, sightings of an abnormally large snake have taken place in the area. When it appears, most run the other way. The shocking thing with this snake, though, is the sightings go all the way back to the 1940s, which we'll cover more in depth in the discussion portion of the show. There are also those that believe a Wendigo is responsible for the death of a teenage girl in the area. However, this can be discredited as it was just a scene in a fake documentary on TV. The Lady of Sorrows Church sits ominously with its upside-down crosses that harken back to an ancient Gothic design for churches. Over the years, many believe that a dark cult has operated out of this church. Tales of mutilated animals, abductions of people, and even murders have been attributed to the cult. Another church in the area has the tale of a candle that can be seen from the basement window at night. While looking in through the frame, the shadow of a person can be seen. But as soon as he spots you, he disappears. The local cemetery has a few tales of ghostly presences of its own. There are sightings of a man sitting on a bench, staring blankly towards the sky. He doesn't answer questions, and once people turn away for a moment, he's gone by the time they look back. It is also rumored that the trees in the graveyard move from place to place on occasion. The highway to hell is a road that has many urban legends surrounding it. Tales of a ghostly serial killer who uses an axe walking up and down the road who disappears when police approach him is one of the many tales. Others believe that cult members fake car breakdowns or injuries to get unsuspecting people to slow down before ambushing and abducting them. And this all leads to the end of the world road, where it is believed paranormal activity is responsible for many fatal car crashes on it. Some have said while driving, something else takes over and they aren't able to control their car. There's a deep drop towards the end of the road before it stops abruptly, with signs that warn drivers that the road ends. Perhaps the scariest of all the ghost stories in the area 
is that of the vanishing house in the woods. Some nights, a house will appear a distance away in the middle of the forest. Most of those that attempt to investigate the house never make it in time before it disappears. However, if you do make it to the door before it vanishes, it's caution to not enter. As if you do, not only will the house disappear, but you will as well, never to be seen again. Most of the area has been torn down and cleaned up since 2016, and now it serves as a place to go explore nature. The question remains, though, should you be careful of some of the urban legends and ghostly sightings that remain as you venture through Helltown? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 43. That is, I think, if it's episode 43, I got to remember to look at these numbers. You got you to just, just don't say it anymore. If you don't just, say it, you can't yeah, mess it up. We just got to, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. That is the uh, wonderful and ever so pleasant voice of Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. Let's start a cult. <laughs> let's, let's just start a cult. That's it. That's it. All right, chat. How many of you are in? Dave, are you in? Welcome in, Dave. I'm absolutely in. All right, cool. So we officially have a cult. Welcome to the cult, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I want to say what's up to everybody who is hanging out in live chat. We got a, a live active crew uh, tuning in from all over the place, man. Irish Assassin tuning in from New Hampshire. Soph tuning in from some airport, wherever the heck she is. She has been an absolute trooper. I want to say what's up to Selchuk. Casher is here on all the accounts as usual. All of the Stephanies, Mariah, Jessica, all of you legends. Absolutely appreciate you hanging out. Matthew as well, Pam. Damn. It's a good time. It's a good time. If you folks want to be involved in the live chat and bring up pirates when pirates have nothing to do with the episode, things like that, then you could tune in as well. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Tuesday night. YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. Salchuk's wife as well. How are you? It is good to see all of you. And Jessica, if I didn't just say Jessica, but I think I did. So, Helltown, Ohio. lot of stories with this place, man. This place is like the epicenter of legendary tales. Yes. Uh, before we jump into it, what I would like the chat to do, and anyone that's listening on audio, tweet to us, email us, what shout, What should we name our cult? So let's see some of those answers. But yeah, Helltown, Ohio is very different than anything we've covered so far in terms of it is a lot of legend. Like there is a lot of legend with not a lot of backstory to go to it that you can actually look up and I kind of like it because I think that we need to make sure that as a show called hometown ghost stories, that we are absolutely covering every ghost story. It doesn't just have to have like, um, a le- like, I don't want to say legitimate, but like when I say legitimate, I mean, sourced newspaper history to, to back it up because ghost stories can just inhabit the area as a whole, right? Like they are part of the culture of the area. Right. And you're not really going to find documented history about ghosts, like nothing 
you know, nothing legitimate because people, there's a stigma attached to it. People don't want to talk about it. People definitely don't want to write about it. Uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, scientists aren't going to study it really. So you're not going to, like when, when you're talking about ghost stories, you're not going to find anything like legitimate. Mm-hmm. So, so that's where. Well, I, I we mean more in. so like the, like the murder and stuff like all those things that you can, you can like, look up and see what actually happened here and all that other stuff. This is most of this is purely legend. The the stories that the two stories that have the most history are obviously the terrible things that happened with the natives, with the native Americans and the damn peninsula Python. I have an article pulled up right now from 1945 talking about the peninsula Python. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but that's your main stories. Like you don't have like, you have all this cult activity, but you don't have any like evidence of it, which is kind of something that happened in the Bridgewater Triangle as well that we'll get into at some point. And then there's just all these other crazy stories, the vanishing on, house. On, on the Python real quick. Mm-hmm. And this might be a dumb question. Are pythons indigenous to Ohio? Like, is it even possible? Maybe it escaped from a zoo, but like I have to yeah, assume the, that the going belief is that it escaped from a traveling circus. Yes, and it grew because of a chemical spill, which there actually is history tied to a chemical spill as well. So, the biggest legend with this place that can easily be debunked is that it's a ghost town where everyone picked up and they don't know why. You right. hear that? Like I heard that on multiple podcasts. I'm like, I know you know why. I know <laughs> that you researched this and you knew that the government demand with um, eminent domain forced these people to get up and move. Right, it's right. very easy to find that fact. So it is not a ghost town for no reason. We all know why they left because they had to. And they burned sh- down their houses and bulldozed most of them. There's still a few standing, but for the most part, we all know why. Yeah, there's it barely pretty, any left. It is pretty weird that the government decided to pick a town that already existed and then buy that back and evacuate everyone. Like the I like what Gerald Ford was doing was he wanted to conserve more land for conservation. Um, which is fine to make national parks, which is fine. You can do that, mm. but you don't have to burn down a village. Like just pick somewhere else. You know what I mean? So it's weird that they stepped in and were like, yeah, this is this area. We're going to, we're going to force everyone out. We're going to level it and we're going to have, you know, a national park. That's pretty weird to me. Um, to the point where it almost makes sense that maybe they were trying to cover up some sort of a, a chemical spill. And that's why they wanted to evacuate everyone there. Right. Well, this wasn't the first place that did it. So they were, he was in an effort to stop the widespreading. They, they felt like the, they were just moving too quickly and taking over too much land, you know, taking down too many forests and the country was expanding too quickly. Um, apparently Ford thought it was a good idea to um, create more national parks. I mean, national parks are a good thing, whatever, but, but you can do that without, Kicking people off, kicking people off their off their property and, and leveling houses that are like a neighborhood that already exists. You can do that. Yeah, a little bold for the person to spray paint on their house. Like now we know how the Indians felt. Like not really, man. They paid you for your property and didn't kill you. That's that's valid. That's a, <laughs> that's a that's a good point. <laughs> like a, a little dramatic there, wouldn't you say? But still, I'd be pissed off. You know, that you get kicked out of your house. And and apparently this wasn't like today when en- when eminent domain is used. Like they pay you typically more than what your house is worth. I think in this case, it was much cheaper and they basically got cheaped out. So one of the strange things- I don't think eminent domain pays you more than your house is worth. I I don't think that's a thing. I think that's almost almost certain that they pay you exactly what it's worth, best case scenario. 
Right. Might be right about that. I've heard in recent in some of the more recent cases that they will pay a little bit more just to avoid conflict and backlash and stuff like that. But I might be wrong about that. That might depend on the market. Uh, just to go back to our cult naming, uh, there are still some really good names coming in, but I like the best one, which is C-O-T-S, Church of the Stephanies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's my favorite one so far. There's been a few good ones. Yes. Um, to, not, to be, not to be mistaken as C-O-C-K, which is Church of Coakley King. So <laughs> I can understand why that name might be a little bit, uh, Yes, you know, someone might take it the wrong way. Yes, that's what she said. Um, anyways, as we continue to talk about these cults and stuff, yeah, the imminent domain stuff is bonkers because they didn't even do anything with it for a long time, right? So they they cleared all these people out, and then it just kind of sat there until I think like 2016, really, when well, they there finished was a, it. Apparently, according to the video that you just sent us earlier today, he said that it kind of failed and they ended up um, or they lost in court or something, which is crazy. We, right. The government usually doesn't lose in court. And then um, that's not true. They actually had to sell the <laughs> land back to the, or they gave the people the option to buy the land back, but a lot of their houses had been destroyed. And I, right. I was specifically talking about the court losing in eminent domain cases there, Dave, but the, the um, obviously, years. obviously anytime yeah. you have the state versus someone and someone there. else wins, that's the government You've been waiting for this. You've been waiting for this your entire life. <laughs> that's how- not, we're not going to talk politics with Dave when he's wearing a space force shirt. All right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's as far as we'll go with politics. But the, uh, um, one of the strange things about that is, and I was listening to an interview with someone from the area is that, um, there, nobody ever really came back and, and nobody has ever found anybody that, moved that was forced to leave to like interview them about it and you got to think that like some of these people might have had children those children should still be alive and they're just there's nobody there's they don't know who was kicked out they don't know who these people were these people either never wanted to talk or they just disappeared and it's kind of a strange thing because there was a lot of people that got kicked out of this place and just for the fact that nobody's ever been able to like track one of these people down to be like hey how do you feel about this or anything well it's uh, kind of like one of these eerie things that surrounds the land they they did have a few of the people on that documentary that I showed, but that was from back in the day when all of the events were going down, right? So it wasn't from after the fact. It was from during, to mm-hmm. your point. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a terrible thing. It's just, it sucks. And it sucks that it took them so long to do anything with it. It just sat there. Buildings were rotting. And that's honestly what helps these legends grow because now you have this ghost town with all these abandoned buildings. And it's like, when you go by a spooky abandoned building, what does your brain do? You start thinking of all the stuff that could be going on in there. And now we're talking about a town and it's like, some of these buildings were still active. Like the church that gets um, thought of as the, the lead for the cult because of the upside down crosses, which is just part of the architecture style of the time. Um, they're legitimately upside down crosses, though. I mean, yeah, it's, I, it's I understand that popular. Yeah, stickers from the Victorian era. You see it all the time. Mm-hmm. No, I see that, but for a church, it seems a little distasteful. Also, the name of the church is creepy. What was the name of the church, Rob? Um, something Sisters of Sorrow or something like that. Yeah, it's like a really sad name. And then there's yeah. also a graveyard 
that's supposed to be haunted that has um, a translation to the same name, which I think the church just owns the graveyard. I think they had bought it at some point, but mm. it, um, I think it's a Spanish translation. Dave, go ahead. What? You're the expert on Spanish. I thought you would just be able oh, to yeah. translate so, immediately. Yeah, say a Spanish word immediately. <laughs> no. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the chemical spill real quick, because I think the first thing that we can kind of knock off the list would be the the rumors of the giant snake. And we touched on it earlier. We said that maybe it had escaped from a traveling zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew Thomas came in and said uh, that the chemical spill may have created this. And the, spill, the chemical spill, a lot of people say is a rumor, conspiracy that people are just saying, because that's what the government was trying to cover up. But there actually was record of a dump that had kept chemicals in these um, giant uh, bins. What do, you, what do you call those things? Um, I don't know. Like the stuff you see in Breaking Bad. You saw it in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. Exactly. That is the exact chemicals that they kept. Um, So they were creating all these Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff. Uh, But no, the the, um, some crew had been called in to go clear out this old dump that had been abandoned or whatever, and they all got sick and like they were breaking out in rashes and stuff because they had actually stored a lot of chemical waste. So I don't know if that was a technically a spill, but there was definitely chemical waste at uh, one of these old dumps, and um, and it took them a while to a like drum. Thank you, Papa Squatch. It's a drum. That's the exact word I was looking for. But yeah, yeah so there were there were top, to, toxic chemicals did exist, and they were located there. And um, you can actually look it up on the EPA's website that they did. Um, they declared a super uh, a super fun fight and cleaned it up in 2015. So something happened there. And it's verified on the EPA's website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they actually have the actual chemicals that they found, which was big, complicated names. I don't think of those in front of you, Dave. I know if, if it's not in Spanish, you don't want to read it, but that's true. But you can, uh, uh, what? You can so read them with a Spanish accent if that makes you feel better. Just sticking with these two stories lead, biphenyl, PCBs, phenol. I mean, I can tell you this is, this is not interesting. So those, uh, weren't, those weren't the big words I was looking for. Oh, I don't sorry. like that at all. Like lead, lead didn't 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 make the cut there, right? So sticking with this, so this is like how these rumors start, right? And stories get like mixed together and everything. We talk about the Peninsula Python, which is supposedly this gigantic python in the area, and it was on the Cuyahoga River area, which is around here, and you can go and there's. You guys have heard of the Atlantic, right? The uh, the ocean? Yes, the ocean. <laughs> I have heard of it. Pirates uh, are there. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm talking about like it's either like a newspaper or a magazine or something like that. Yeah. There, there is an article from 1945 that outlines the entire hysteria that this that this area went through with this giant snake that people were seeing and reporting. There was two camps of people. One group was trying to hunt it down. The others thought they were causing more of a nonsense. You can go read this whole thing. Look at Peninsula Python, the Atlantic, and you can see this entire story. But like you said, they think that it escaped from a traveling uh, circus, a traveling probably. circus, probably. And that's the reasoning that it was in the area. And well, it was maybe, like, maybe the snake got into the chemicals and turned into a mutant snake. And then the circus escaped from it. I like your thinking. I like that better. 
You bet. Like, oh, why the why the circus left three days? <laughs> they left three days early. <laughs> yeah, yep. tired. Like, grab the Ferris wheel. We gotta go. <laughs> so, so that I mean, and now you have like something that's forty that happened like 30, 40 years before. It gets tied into the dump. It becomes this mega story that this snake is now this mutant snake. It's been there for forty or fifty years, and they just you know it probably couldn't survive the climate. Yeah, that's exactly what Matt Thomas just said. Is he said no way that the snake lived through the Ohio winters. Right. So that's a actually mutant, a part of a mutant snake might live through Ohio winters. <laughs> that's true. Dave, shut the fuck up, please. Um, <laughs> but the, so one of the things that they did was after one of these Ohio winters, they went through and they're like, let's go find its remains, and they look for the skeletons and uh, or the skeleton of the snake, and they never found any remains of it. So they don't really know what happened. Maybe the, maybe another maybe a more badass traveling circus came through and was like, look at that. And they scooped it up and started bringing it along or something, you know? You never yeah. know. I'm, I'm going to guess this theory didn't happen. I'm going to guess that's not <laughs> something that occurred here. I, you just don't want to. It's just like a circus of MMA Daves. They're, they're ready for whatever. They come across a mutant steak, they're snake, and they're uh, ready to rock. I want a mutant steak. That sounds great and delicious. Everyone was talking about food earlier. Did I said mutant steak? Yeah. Oh, my God. That does sound great. Um, let's talk about the just real quick to, to touch on this, the snake, one, one last thing about the snake. not touching is, on the snake. <laughs> for anyone that has played uh red dead redemption there's a town oh my in, god there's a town in red dead uh which is uh pleasance scarlet meadows so if you've played this game uh it's actually based off Helltown, which is kind of cool it's got the church it doesn't have a school bus because obviously that's not relevant to red dead redemption but if you look around in the woods you can actually find the giant snake of um of this uh python that we're talking about so it's a pretty cool little uh easter egg that you could find in Red Dead Redemption 2 if people play that game. So and now we can move on. I did want to, want to do our little obliga- obliga- uh, obligatory uh, video game reference there, but we can move on. Yeah, we, we had to get the Red Dead Redemption um, in there. I want to hit on the Wendigo story real quick. I do think we need to circle back to the Naughton Hutton massacre as well because of everything. To me, that is the actual like main story of of this place like that could legitimately be causing a haunting but this uh this wendigo story is the dumbest shit i've ever seen in my life i don't know if you guys have uh looked into this at all no i mean they made like uh, is this the same documentary where they just like called it Helltown Helltown ohio and just made up a bunch of legends that they didn't have to make up yes exactly why this town is full of really good legends just make a show based off the really good ones yeah just just cover the real stuff right and they just do this whole wendigo um thing and they try to create this new legend and and it's just like why are we doing this there's enough material here do the snake the snake ate the girl right like just do the giant snake ate the girl but no they gotta they gotta do the wendigo thing and i i find the wendigo stuff real interesting and i think shit like this ruins that stuff mm-hmm. because like there's nothing there's nothing here like you literally made it up so like you know shame on them it's just a little pathetic to go back to it to take it from a town that's you know got so much stuff like what what you don't need to do that you yeah. absolutely don't need to yeah so that I just, I just hate that. Like, I, I would like to get into a good Wendigo story. I'm sorry, Papa Squatch. He's one of our, you know, he's always in our Discord. He asked for more cryptid stuff, and I wish we could expand upon this. 
but it's literally <laughs> Foxground's comment just made me laugh. My ex-wife was a Wendigo. <laughs> Pop Squatch comes up with a good cult name, P-O-P-P-S, Podcast of Perpetual Pirate Stories. <laughs> Decent. Um, so I'm sorry that we couldn't get more Wendigo talk on this particular episode, but it like of all the bullshit that we'll come across in this podcast, like that we have to call out, this is clearly um this is clearly stupid. And I'm and I'm upset about it. So do you guys want to touch on the Wendigo story at all? No, I don't. Good. Save it for a future episode where it's actually about a Wendigo. Right. All right. So I think before we get into some of the more like off the wall stuff, we should hit on the Naughton Hutton and the, you know, American Revolution stuff that happened in this area where the Native Americans settled this land as they were pushed more west. Um, it was one tribe originally, then another one took over real shortly after. And then these tribes kind of all convert to Christianity, which is what the American um, settlers were trying to get them to do. This group of Native Americans actually converts. They become these pacifists. They don't want any part of a war. And because they wouldn't join the American Revolution, they basically get called traitors, right? But how are they traitors in this spot? Like, it's just it's just a disgusting thing that happens to them. And then it shows you the, the terrible sense of mob mentality where you have this army around voting on if these 96 people who clearly aren't fighters are pacifists or just trying to, you know, live their lives you know, as Christian Native Americans and because they wouldn't help their deemed traitors, the mob mentality gets out there. They vote that they need to kill them. You know, there was like, I think 18 people that actually stood against them, you know, kudos to those 18 people, but they, they still end up massacring these 96 people and it's included women and children as well. It's ugly. Yeah, it really is a disgusting story. And it's, you know, there's so much of that going on back then, you know, they just, it, it doesn't add up, you know, as us talking about it now, looking back at it, saying, you know, this doesn't make sense. And who knows what these people were thinking back in the, back then, but the, um, but you know, the beliefs were so archaic at the time. Mm-hmm. It really is pretty grisly going back and look at the, looking at these stories of these things that were happening all over the country. Yeah. So you get these massacres in these woods and these areas and I think, and there was burial sites for them as well that ended up getting plowed over and turned into farms and stuff like that. So you have a lot of residual energy in the area of, of negative energy that could be happening. Can you think of more of a dick move than being like, all right, no, I got to make a farm. I bought this land. There is this grave, this mass grave. Let's level it. Mm. Plant some corn. Like yeah. dude. Oof. And that's got to lead to some hauntings, right? You absolutely just desecrated a mass grave, you know, mm-hmm. just doomed your town. Well, this is the, um, it wasn't filmed here, but this is where they, the idea for Children of the Corn was inspired, was in Helltown. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, fun fact. That is a fun fact. There's a yeah. lot, there's a lot uh, about this town. So, uh, so I think on that subject, or are we on? Yeah, I, I just think we have to hit on it because for me, of everything that we're going to talk about, 
that is the most important story because it has the most weight, I think, in terms of we know this stuff happened. We know the area around where it happened. Um, so, yeah, I think we need to make sure. It just We just needed to make sure we talked about it. Mm. Captain yeah. McSlurs with the comment just says, Cornhub. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so we have uh, we have the school bus. Um, school bus is now gone, but it was there for a long time. Was that footage that you pulled on the episode actually from that school bus, or was that just another school bus? I think that oh, the the school bus that I had the footage of was just another school bus. There okay. was no footage of the old school bus that was there that I could find. Yeah, I'm surprised because anyway. it was there for a long time, and people had gone and visited. It became like kind of an attraction, mm-hmm. and they had everyone like the town wanted it gone. But there was kind of a curse around it. So everyone that tried to move the school bus would either something would come up, they'd get sick, they'd get injured. Apparently one person died. And then they're like, okay, school bus can stay. And they left it there for a while. And uh, eventually it did end up getting removed. Uh, But before it did, there was a, a family that lived in the house close by. And they had gone and they removed all the seats and they actually lived inside the bus for a little while. They brought the bus. So... Really? There, so the the this the legends of the school bus was that you know the cult used it to first there was a massacre of children on the school bus, right? Which is no documented proof of that. And if it if that happened, you bet your ass there would be newspaper stories on that, right? Mm-hmm. So that never happened. And then it was just a couple people got murdered on it, which we also don't have documented proof on. The actual story of the school bus, I'm sorry to let everybody down, is that house you talked about, the family bought the house. There was heavy renovations that needed to be done. So they bought the school bus. They brought it. They took the seats out so that they had a place to sleep while they were renovating the house. And then you have this rotting school bus just sitting there. And this is what we're talking about. So this school bus sits there for years and years and gets rotting and rusted and now you have a entire town that's pretty much a ghost town. And what's the centerpiece of that ghost town? This haunted school bus that you see. So now all the stories are going to be made up of that school bus, right? Where people are going to be like, well, I'm pretty sure somebody was murdered on that. And I saw a ghost on that. And unfortunately, fun stories, but there is no evidence of there being anything paranormal tied to it. And we'll never know because it's gone. So we can't well, there's no history it. tied to it, but people definitely had their ghost stories. And this is a town that's just full right. of legends, so it's hard to decipher what's real, what's not. But you, and you're absolutely right, is we would be able to find some sort of history tied to, especially if the school bus pulled over and some psychopath was sitting there smoking a cigarette and just went on and murdered all the kids. That would be right. one of the top crazy murders of all time in United States history. Of course, we'd be able to find something about it. But there were... Hauntings reported people would visit the bus. They would look inside. They they would say that they saw uh, children sitting on the bus uh, with expressionless faces. And then they would also say that even when the seats were removed, they would go in there and the kids would basically be sitting on ghost seats or seats that aren't there anymore. They'd be sitting as if they were still sitting on seats and they would smell the smell of cigarettes. Sometimes they would see a ghost bus driver. But it seems like all of this was born from a story that wasn't real anyways. So people are going to see what they're going to see. But 
again, the hauntings, people, you don't want to discount everyone's account of seeing a ghost. Maybe they did see ghosts on this bus for some reason. But Well, I mean, maybe they just made up the story to go with it, and it was the father, right? So maybe it was the father that used to sit in the driver's seat because they lived on that bus, and he smoked in the driver's seat mm-hmm. years and years and years ago. So, But people say, I go to Jesse, and I say, oh, my God, I was on the school bus, and there was somebody sitting on there, and he was smoking a cigarette, and he disappeared. Jesse goes to Dave and goes, you'll never believe this. Rob said he went on the school bus and there was this murderer that was sitting in the chair that was, that smoked a cigarette and there were some kids in the back or something. And you know, like it just, it's, the, it's the telephone theory. It's, it's the telephone person who's telling the story feels obligated to make the story better. Cause they, you start telling it. You're like, Oh shit. What if this, what if I overhype this story? What if it's right. not good enough? Maybe I had a couple extra ghosts. Right. But I don't it's know just, how it's, you, I don't know how you get um, the seats full of uh, ghost children if the seats were removed from the bus. Right. They were sitting on ghost seats. Either way, <laughs> it, it just it sounds like a story that was born from kids riding the bus and one of their bus stops went by that broken down bus. They're like, oh, that's the bus that all the kids got murdered on. It just sounds like that's where the story was born. And then kids grew up with that story and they kept telling it over and over again. If you tell the story enough times, it almost sounds like it's true. So I think that's that's probably the bus theory. Remember at camp? Kemp Danny Webster, Jesse, when we, were, when we were younger, they had this they had this chlorine pit, right? That was basically like a runoff from the big pool that they had. And it was scary and it smelled funny. And all, you know, somebody threw a pair of shorts in there one day, and then all the rumors started that somebody fell into the chlorine pit and melted. <laughs> yeah. That, this, that these stories are yeah, these stories are always born. I'll never forget it. Like when we were kids, we would drive by this one house and it was actually a completely normal looking house, but someone's like, Oh, you see those trash bags? They're uh, they found dead bodies in those trash bags yesterday. And now it's like to this day when I, cause my parents live close to that or our parents live close to that house. When I drive over there, I still drive by that house. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's the house with the bodies and the trash bags. It's like, that's what I'm saying. This is probably where this story was born. It's just, you never forget these kinds of things. Obviously it can be bullshit story, but it is what it is. I think we move on to the next one. <clears throat> yeah. So what else is left? There's so many and I'm trying to think. Do so we want to get into the witch? Let's get into the church first because yeah, oh, okay, we, yeah. we talked we talked about it briefly. It's it was just a part of the structure at the time, upside down crosses. Now, this is one of those stories that I don't think we can completely discredit nope. is satanic activity. Now, do I think it's happening at the church? I doubt it. Is the church still active? I believe it is. As then, far as I know, it's still active. Then I would say it's probably not happening at the church, but do I think that's what they want you to think, Jesse? This real church is a front for this satanic okay. cult. I have one question. What? Can do I not they, go on my Do rant? they have Freemason meetings and operations going on there? You don't know that they don't. Well, I'm just saying if they He's do. Asking if they do. If they do, then 100% they worship the devil, right? <laughs> Take us back to the Houghton Mansion episode. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> so whenever you have a town that has the nickname Helltown and you have all this – all these legends and all this haunted lore and these abandoned buildings, the abandoned buildings is key as well. It could attract Satanists and people that are like that. And I do think that there's a, not only is it possible, but I think it's probable that some of these cults may be going there to do their things for two reasons. Number one, because of the lore surrounding the area. Number two, because you got a bunch of abandoned buildings. That's where they want to do it. And number three is uh, according to eyewitness testimony from people that have been there, and I don't know if these buildings still stand or if they're still in this condition today, but um, I listened to an interview with a bunch of teenagers that went 
to Helltown when they were kids. They were just looking to spook their, you know, spook each other and act tough in front of the girls and stuff like that. They went into these buildings and all these buildings, they had, you know, pentagrams on the floor, 666, stuff that you'd expect to see when you walk into a graffiti building. But the the one defining feature of all these buildings that they went into was that all of the furniture had been pushed up against the walls, creating a big empty space in the middle, which would create room for someone to do some sort of a seance or things like that. And they they had a bunch of haunted recollections from these uh, from these buildings as well. But it does sound like this is the most probable of all the legends that are surrounding these things, is that there probably is some satanic stuff going on there, some cultist activity as well. Yeah, I mean, of all the ones, we're going to leave this comment on screen that says great show, Rob, because um, clearly I am the only one that should get credit here for our amazing shows. Anyways, yes, anyways, the the cult is, it could be legitimate. It's tough to discredit the cult. We're going to have this problem when we cover Bridgewater Triangle because there is a lot of cult activity that happens in the Bridgewater Triangle as well. And we can't really prove some of it. There is a little more evidence as well. True. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't you can prove still, it, but I also I also don't think you can disprove it. That's that's kind of my thing on it. Go ahead, Dave. Right. Now I was just gonna say, like, you probably not like a it's probably not a well established cult, you know, like the really well established ones in history typically have um they these cults have a ton of money and they don't need to just move into an abandoned neighborhood. They can by their own neighborhood, like Jonestown. <laughs> so if there is a cult, it's probably like a little smaller, smaller one, or most likely, in my opinion, probably just a group of teenagers, you know, spray painting s- satanic stuff. Cause that's what, that's, that's what, what they do. Yeah. That's what they do. Also, also valid. Um, yeah. I think, I just, I think that the, the cult thing is fine. I, I just know that I, I don't think there's any way to disprove it. There's a way to disprove the school bus thing. You can disprove the upside down cross thing because it's part of the architecture. You can't disprove whether or not say Satanists and cults are showing up and doing their thing. Right. Do we want to get into the witch? I do. Because yeah. that's a cool story. It's a cool story. Do you want to tell, like I've taken up a lot of the airtime here. Do you want to tell the story, Dave, or? Uh, let, me, let me see. If I mean, know. you don't have to say the whole thing, but you can just run. So it basically down. the story is um, that, back in Helltown a very long time ago. And um, remind me of the guy's name. It was big. Was it big something? It was uh big Sam, which big is very Sam. important. Big Sam. So this basically, I, this reads like a parable in my opinion. So it does. Um, it is, it big, is definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So big, big Sam. Um, he's a, he's like a big shot in town. Everyone kind of stays out of his way, respects him. It's kind of like the authority. And there's a woman in town who is, um, is referred to as the witch. Um, so what happens is she has a bunch of property. Rob, I'm going to have you jump in because I, okay. I think, so, yeah. all right, I'll tell the story. So basically there's this witch in the town. She wears her black robe. She has her straw hat and she's not considered evil or anything by the town. They don't really see her at night, but they would go to her for potions and stuff to help them out. Not considered evil, nothing like that. Now, there was this man named Big Sam who thought that, came up with a scheme. He was a very greedy man. He was a farmer. He had a lot of land, but he wanted more. And he wanted more and more and more land. So his idea was all of these people went to this witch for 
items to help them with stuff. So she knew a lot of their secrets, right? Because it's like when you go to the doctor, you tell doc the doctor things that you don't want other people to know. So you go and you talk to this to this witch, you tell her what's wrong with you, what your ailments are, what you need help with, love potions, whatever. So he goes to her and he starts tricking her into telling him about things that he can blackmail the other residents of the town about, right? So she catches on and she goes to him and she's like, I am not going to let you blackmail these people and take their land anymore because he was finding ways to take their land. He goes, oh, you're not going to let me take their land anymore? You're under arrest. Why he can arrest her? Who knows? Different times. So he locks her up under accusations of being a witch, basically. Um, Brings her to the town square, takes off her clothes in front of everybody, and she has burn marks and marks all up and down her back. And he's like, well, as you all can see, fire can't kill her. So let's go see if we can drown her, right? So he brings her to the water, and right before he drowns her, he tells her that she is going she tells him that she's going to curse him basically. Well, she said that um, you better bury me deep because only lightning can bring me back from the death or only lightning will free me or something like that. You're right. So a while later, there is this big lightning storm and a, the caretaker of the graveyard sees it strike her gravestone, which at the time was the biggest in the cemetery because Big Sam buried her with the big gravestone to let everyone see as a reminder what happens to not following what he says. So the same night that that the lightning strikes the gravestone, Big Sam can't sleep. He goes out to his barn and he has a prize goat. And he's sitting with his prize goat. And as he's sitting there, he's telling the goat the stories of everything he did to acquire his land. Because why wouldn't you just tell the goat your stories? I mean, you got no one else to talk to. You got no television, right? Got to talk to somebody. So the goat stops eating and it stares at him. And as he stares back at this goat, um, the goat's face or eyes turns into the witch. And as soon as it turns into the witch, Big Sam grabs his heart, has a heart attack, and dies. So that is the story of the witch, and supposedly she haunts the area still. Yeah, so I guess I guess when he was, like, bringing the witch to the water, he had her, like, tied up, and she was, like, following his vehicle. And right. um, he would look in the rearview mirror, and she'd be looking at him, and she had a big grin on her face, and her eyes, like, turned, like, milky white. Yep. And I guess when he had that encounter with the goat, he was telling the goat the story. He looked at the goat. The goat looked at him. It, like, stopped and looked at him, and uh, then – the goat's eyes turned that same like milky white right. as hers did. So that's when he thought he saw like the witch's eyes or whatever. But that is the, uh, that is the story. That's the, uh, that's the hometown goat story as Captain McSluck says. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Nice. So this is clearly a story that was made up recently without doubt. Like right. it, it all parallels what happened to the people of the town in the 1970s. Right. Oh, completely. Now Big there is a Sam. there is a grave at that graveyard that looks like it's been hit by lightning and it's cracked from like top to bottom. For but sure. But the theory of that gravestone is that it's from a um uh mental patient 
and apparently he had carved his own gravestone, which is interesting because yeah. that's the first thing I noticed about the gravestone, and it has this like weird kind of loopy lettering. Um, but who carves their own gravestone? Did he do it posthumously? Because that'd be a really good ghost story. <laughs> that would be. That's up next on Hometown Ghost Stories. But so the guy's name is Big Sam. You know, Uncle Sam is the yeah, USA. Right? So there's so there's your so Big Sam is America. He has all this uh, land. He wants more land. He wants more land, right? So he's taking all this land from all the people in the town. And then it ends with him having a heart attack. William Birdsell has a heart attack like and dies and yeah, that's the guy that was in charge of taking people's land exactly it does sound like one big metaphor or parable or whatever yeah so i think that is exactly what happened here um when you look up the story of the witch it all ties back to the same guy telling the story so he's either taking that story from what's being told in town and being the only one to put it out or he made it up himself or something i mean it's a good story the story works but it, but it's clearly clearly um, a story that relates back to the 1970s, and there's no evidence of the story existing. Before. I mean, are you sure it wasn't meant to be a parable and not taken as truth? That's what it seems more like. According sure. to the guy telling the story, it, it he thinks that's what it is, but he's not claiming to be the author of it, and there is no other. There's nothing else that's telling the story. Everywhere that I see telling the story links to the guy who who I sent you the video of. Yep. Uh yeah, so I, I think it's it's more so just a story that was built for the story. You know. Yeah. I think I agree with you guys there. Um another one is I don't know if you mentioned the episode, but there is a crybaby bridge here. Yeah, I didn't um, bring it up in the episode. I figured we could talk about it now. Yeah. So the story is some lady threw her baby off the uh bridge and you can still hear the baby crying. Um, the bridge that they assume it is, is a very unassuming bridge. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's just, I mean, it does go over a river, so that would do the trick, but, um, you seem to get these in a lot of towns. This one is also on the, uh, checklist of your average haunted, oh. haunted bridge in a haunted yeah. place, right? Yeah, ghost bingo. Yeah. Yep. Ghost bingo, crybaby bridge. So there's, there is that as well. Um, the story that I find the most interesting and there's like no evidence to support it at all is the house that appears in the forest at times, which is a fun, different story. Like you don't get this. Sto- like I haven't heard this story before where just on certain nights, this house will appear in the forest and it's like a, it's like a long distance away and basically it's almost impossible to get to it. So it's always gone by the time you get close to it. But those who have gotten to it are never seen again type of deal. So another I also one. saw that there's a um, – that there's also a light that stays on all night in that house. Just right, saying. right. It's like in the top window or something like that. And I guess there's a hostel there from what I was reading. And I think people are – some people were saying like they think maybe the hostel sits back a little bit off the road and they leave the light on all night because it's a hostel. So maybe that's the house that people are seeing. There is a hostel in the middle of nowhere. That's still there. Um, it's set back off the road. They say that the light stays on all night because it functions as a boarding house that accepts guests 24 hours a day. So yeah. Explain. 
Yeah. Like, Did it I just like fucking say that 15 seconds ago? What is happening here? <laughs> it, it is a no? strange, strange place for a hostel, but there also aren't really hotels in the area. So you got to think it's uh, not got a lot of competition. So maybe it does well. I mean, if it's still open, then it's, it's doing enough. Uh, then the other one is the graveyard with a bench, which apparently has a ghost that sits on this bench. Uh, the kicker with this story is uh, people that have been to this graveyard say there is not a bench. No bench. No bench. No bench. Well, like the school bus full of kids in the seat, maybe the the the, the, bench. Uh, the bench is part of the apparition. Ah, there you go. There you go. Uh, but the other thing about this one is kind of like a Lord of the Rings Ents kind of tree situation where I guess the trees kind of just walk around. Mm. That's another different one. Um, I don't think that like you see like the trees like get up and like, oh, this place sucks. Going to go over here, stretch out a little bit. But I think it's more of like you come back, you're like, that tree was over there. So maybe it's like a slow kind of thing where they kind of get up and move around. Reminds me of Emily's Bridge. I just remember like the sound of those trees. Granted, it was windy and cold oh, and those man. trees seemed like they're about to collapse. But there was something off with those trees, man. That was uh, very unsettling. So I wonder if that is that still, same kind of vibe. Still one of the most unsettling places I've ever been. 100%. Emily's Bridge. Um, Matthew Thomas says the ghost house disappears when the IRS comes around. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, the other thing with the graveyard is William Birdsell's buried there, or at least at a close by graveyard. I didn't know exactly which one he was buried in, but I'm shocked that people haven't come up with ghost stories about him or whatever, because now you're being buried in a location where essentially everybody hated you. Nobody. Like, yeah, but they got up and they left. So I don't know how many they, of those people really died there. So they probably died somewhere else. Again, we don't make the rules, but I, I agree that there's a lot of animosity. In, yeah. He's just, he was not like there. It doesn't matter that those people left that area did not like him. Right. Like, so you have a lot of negative energy towards you in that area, no matter what, like, it couldn't have been pleasant for him there, right? Like, can't imagine he like enjoyed his time he, in the place. There's, I mean, there's no way he was from there, right? I don't think so. He got appointed um, by Ford, so I would assume that it might have been like a district thing. And the yeah, way maybe. he, I mean, just to go back to it, he he called the town meeting, right? The way he told everybody is he called the town meeting and uh, just told them in the middle of a town meeting, gave them no warning. Oh, you know what? Matt, Matt Thomas actually brings up a good point about, sorry to interrupt you, but about the, um, I, I, I don't even know if this is him making a joke or bring up a good point. He says the woman who threw the baby was in a white dress. Actually. Yeah. The, the legend goes that she was wearing her wedding dress when she threw the baby. So I guess he was 100% making a joke. Yeah. It just, it just reminded me of the actual story. So she had gotten married. She had the baby. I don't know if it was like a shotgun wedding kind of thing, but uh, apparently mm-hmm. she had gotten married, had the baby the day after she had the baby, um, I think her husband committed suicide or died somehow. And then she wore her wedding dress to the bridge, threw the baby over the bridge. Um, so yeah, woman in a white dress. Boom. We got it. Finally check it off the list. Dave, do, you, do you have a black um, baseball hat around anywhere? Oh, I know. Right. I don't, I have a white one probably under my uh, desk, but uh, well, I was just trying to make this cult more of a <laughs> uniform thing. Black t-shirt backwards, black hat. Mm-hmm. Um, probably be the way to go here. That's that's the cult uniform at this point in time. There you go. There's the trainee hat. If you wear a white hat, you're a trainee. Mm. You're, you're a pledge. I am the leader. No, you're a pledge. 
Well, according to the I LLC. According to the LLC. Anything else you guys want to touch on? There's like a lot more, but uh, I feel like we hit on a lot of the big ones. Is there any other? Oh, yeah, we also the, have the exact same visual here. That's the other part of the call. The roads. So the roads are pretty interesting. We have to hit on those. Yeah, there's one that like you pull up to um, this kind of overlooking cliff, I guess. it's. I, I think from what I've heard, it's more of a glorified hill. But if you park at the end of it, um, there's some sort of thing like you're supposed to get out of the car and leave your keys in the ignition but not on or something along those lines. And then your car is supposed to just drive off. So if you're looking for an insurance claim, I guess that's a good idea to try that out. But other than that, I probably wouldn't give it a shot. There's also, it's the highway to hell and there's the supposed axe murderer that's walking up and down the road. Um, There's that. Does he carry a side of bacon? Yes, he must. That's the thing. And there's an effect on that road you were talking about when you, if you're watching from like the side, it looks like the car is, is hovering just because of the incline. Really? So it's like, it's a science thing, but it looks like the car is actually floating as you take a turn. I know scientist, but that yes. sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, Did you mention the hearse? Oh, no, yeah, I didn't. There's a, there's a horse. Yeah. Bring up, not a horse, but a hearse. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, so if you go past the road closed signs, you will find a house that a creepy man, sometimes it's a family, lives in. Uh, the man drives a hearse and will chase you in it if you get too close to his house. Sometimes he will even try to run you down in his hearse. In some versions of the legend, the hearse has only one headlight. Yeah, I've heard that. I know many versions of it. I actually never heard about you getting too close to his house. I just heard that there's a hearse that will change you around and there's like a kind of spectral see-through ghost guy that is driving it and there's always like a blinking headlight that's actually like a common thing that a lot of people say about it is that there's always got like kind of a pedal situation going on there with one um one headlight this is based in real history as well though there was a family where they owned a hearse in the town at one point that the guy drove the hearse around so you gotta figure most towns have at least one or two right they didn't. They only use it during Halloween, right? That was what it was. They used it for Halloween. That's right. So, yeah, there's there's just so many things here at Helltown, right? That's why I think we have to cover them, even though we kind of threw some cold water on most of this stuff and we debunked it. We have to tell them, but we also have to tell why they're not probably real at occasion but they're still fun stories and they still tell you a lot about the area that you're covering right like you learn a lot about the town just based off of its legends 100 percent, you do yeah and this town is from what i understand a lot of them are trying to like shake that image of Helltown. i mean the place isn't actually called Helltown, as we discussed earlier um I think a lot of people are kind of fed up with it. So a, a lot of this stuff is closed to the public. I mean, if you go there and you just try to hunt for ghosts and go check out these haunted places, like it's patrolled heavily. So I wouldn't recommend just going there and, um, and trespassing on private property. Not a good idea. Never a good idea. But in this place, like you're going to get, you're going to get caught pretty quick. So. Yeah. Um, and they've torn down most of it too. A lot of the stuff doesn't exist anymore. So they've really revitalized the area. Some of the abandoned buildings they've repurposed as like actual, um, like a tourist stop where like a guest information hut and stuff like that. 
because they have made it a national park now. So there is a national park in the area. Like what was supposed to happen 40, 50 years ago has happened now. It just took some time. Took a while to get there. Yep. And all the other stuff, a lot of it has been demolished. Yeah, absolutely. Any other key points you want to touch on here? Uh, Just want to recognize Cody in the the Facebook chat. Brings up the uh, Phantasm reference, which I'm pretty sure is a reference to the hearse. Yeah, that's a good reference as well. A few good references. A couple of people bringing up The Undertaker. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Assassin and Matthew, yep. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that that pretty much covers Helltown, Ohio. I was, again, back and forth on covering this one as I was reading it. And I'm like, no, this this is important to still tell these stories about yeah. these areas just real quick matt matt brings up he's like ironic that it was supposed to be a park for the public but it's not open to the public I, i'm talking about like after hours so if you were to go at night probably yeah. most public parks close close down at sundown so uh just make sure you're obeying the rules that's the official hometown ghost stories position on visiting places you're not supposed to visit at certain times right what uh what do we have coming up as i pull up some of our reviews from this week in the next few weeks guys so on Friday, we are reviewing the movie X, which is the 2022 Ty West movie. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's out now. If you want to check that out, make sure you do that and then check out our review on it because it will be spoiler filled as always. And then next Tuesday, we are covering the Balsam's Grand Resort Hotel in New Hampshire. Uh, this hotel became an active haunt spot uh, after renovations were made. And there's a whole bunch of different ghosts there, which is uh, some very interesting ones. That's fun. Sounds good. And for those who uh, want to tune in and those of you who follow on TikTok, we'll be going live. We're actually visiting Salem, Salem, Massachusetts on yes. Thursday. The episode, we're going to hold off until October because we want to, we're going to make this episode like very special. But if you guys want to tune in and get some early access content to our Salem stuff, we'll be going live uh, most likely on TikTok, probably on Instagram as well, but um, mostly on TikTok. So we'll be going live throughout the night with some different locations that we visit. Throughout uh, the probably day some- as well. Exactly. And then we also going to do, um, uh, we'll be staying at the Hawthorne hotel. So we're going to do some investigation stuff inside the Hawthorne hotel. Maybe we'll hit a couple of locations as well, but for sure we're going to investigate there. Um, so Thursday night, that's this Thursday. We're going to be rocking out Salem, Massachusetts. Very excited to start working on this one. Cause it's going to be a big one. If you're not following us on TikTok, you are missing some of my best work on the introductions of the episode. We go live 10 minutes before an episode on Tuesday nights, just to remind people on TikTok. And I am, uh, I'm That's phenomenal right. at it. That's what all these folks honest. need. They sit through the 45 minute countdown. Now they get an extra <laughs> two minutes of countdown stuff, but it's going to be great. Yes. Um, what's the TikTok? The TikTok is just at hometown ghost stories. We have an alternate account because we started building that once our main one got shadow banned, but we got like 51,000 followers on that one. So definitely check it out. Um, yeah, TikTok, it's just at Hometown Ghost Stories. So yeah. search it. You'll find it. That's for sure. I want to thank our patrons while Rob's pulling that up. We have uh, Sydney B., Mark M., Papa Squatch, Mike B., Brandon W., Sarah W., uh, Soph Hooper, Mike V., Stephanie A., Seth Dave Sucks W., Captain McSlugs, Sarah, Dave Loves Bacon R., and then our VIPs, we have Stephen V. and Lisa J., Thank you guys so much for something on Patreon. You can get your name in the credits and get a cool special shout out just like this. If you guys sub on Patreon for as little bit, as little as $3 a month, check it out. What do we got for reviews this week, Rob? And th- thanks to Stephanie B too. Cause Stephanie B and Sydney B are the same household. That's right. Yes. Yes. Um, 
Derek left a review called Amazing. They have great chemistry, and you can see that they really care about the podcast. They don't go to outlandish. They don't get outlandish with their theories and made make it fun for both believers and skeptics. Keep up the good work. Yeah, I think this episode is clear evidence of that. Yes. Also, D. Carolina left a review that's titled Great Job. Said, I've, tr- I've tried listening to so many other podcasts and being completely honest, not a lot of people can tell a story well. You guys have a great balance of scary, creepy, and fun. I really enjoy it. So thank you for a great job. You are welcome. And thank you for listening. Yes. And uh, big news we're going to drop this week. Signed contract today. Big deal. We'll talk about it soon, but it's uh, it's going to be something awesome. We're excited to bring to you guys some fancy new news. We're going to wait till uh, everything gets established and launched, but the contract has been signed today, so we got some uh, some big stuff coming for you guys very soon. Very excited about it. It's been months in the works. Yes. Months in the works. Months. More months than we wanted to spend in the works, but it's there. And we've made <laughs> it's it. It's so. done. Yes, it is done. <laughs> Complicated so, stuff. Yeah, but I really hope that people start following the TikTok if they're not, just to watch some of the live stuff on Thursday. It's going to be fun watching. Uh, if you can't get out to Salem, we're going to try to show some of the stuff that you might not be able to see and why it's one of our favorite places to visit. And we go every year. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm excited to bring it to you. So make sure you guys uh, just give us a follow on TikTok and we'll start uh, showing you some of that stuff. We might, we'll see how well established we are and how reckless it is. We've got a lot of people going out there. So if it's not too crazy, maybe we'll try to do a little YouTube live stream or something like that. But we'll see. Just stay tuned on Thursday and just uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be tweeting out updates and posting on TikTok and stuff like that. So make sure you guys check us out. Anything else, gentlemen? Before we get out of here, just I still want more cult names sent to us. So send us yeah. more cult names. We'll establish and, one. Maybe uh, we'll make some merch out of it or something. Maybe we'll make some merch. Cots and Nope seem to be the uh, the top contenders at the moment. <laughs> Church of the Stephanie's is good. Yeah, what was the Nope one? That was uh, Normalize... Hang on, where is it? Normalize... Normalization of Paranormal Extremists. <laughs> Not bad. Okay. Not That's bad. a good one. All right, like cool. Cuts, but, yep. All right, very good. So uh, we will uh, see you guys on Friday for movie reviews, and then Tuesday we'll be back with a brand new episode up in New Hampshire. And Thursday, this Thursday live from Salem. We're going to do some fun stuff. So check us out. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Peace.